you know that's going to be the final line of the podcast. You you foolishly left that there for me to put in there. This ship has been beyond the boundaries of our universe, of known scientific reality. Who knows where it's been, what it's seen, and what it's brought back with it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Style Guide Podcast with your hosts, Dave Morris and Stephen Orr. How are you today, Steve-O? I'm fantastic, Dave. How about yourself? I am doing pretty okay. Pretty okay. Pretty okay. Still <laughs> recovering from this surgery? Yeah, still recovering. I'm better though. I can walk around now. It's great. Mobility is amazing. Man, it's, it's my favorite ability. Yeah, uh, being able to move. I mean, like, when you start losing certain abilities, you start realizing how how freeing and important they are. I can only imagine the same as when you like start going blind. You're like, oh man, sight is so important. And like deaf, same thing. I was going to ask, are you finding that your other senses are heightened now that you can't move? Yeah, you know what? I can lay on the couch, close my eyes, and I can hear people outside. <laughs> I'm Daredevil. Uh, so today, we're not talking about Daredevil or superheroes. We're actually going to be talking about something not too different, but different, which is science fiction thrillers. That's right. That's right. The science fiction thriller genre. Yeah, not thrillers, not like, you know, horror movies or anything that's kind of just scary, and not science fiction movies that are just about sci-fi, but the sort of cross-section where science fiction becomes thrilling, sci-fi thrillers. And it's, while it's a fairly broad genre, there are a lot of movies in there that don't fit, um, that at first glance one might think that they do, but they they end up being something more like an action movie as opposed to a thriller, and so... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And some like that are more science fiction-y than they are thrilling, but they have thrilling moments. So I think we may end up finding that some of the movies we discuss, we are, um, may even argue over with whether or not they can, are considered a sci-fi thriller. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I think that has a lot to do uh, with it being an evolving genre. And I think it's anytime you have two, a, a crossover of genres science fiction genre and thriller genre when they cross over some movies are going to fall more in science fiction some are going to fall more in thriller some will be that perfect intersection but because it's an intersection there's always like a where does it lie you know as opposed to something like a, a romance where it's like oh that's clearly a romance or or even something where they're very disparate elements so serenity being a western and a sci-fi they're so different that you can easily tell where the separate parts are in the movie, almost mm -hmm. to the point where it isn't a sci-fi western, it is a movie that has science fiction and western elements, but they're not, uh, it's not, it doesn't have the, the uh, narrative conventions of a western, say. Totally, totally. Yeah, and uh, okay, so cool, so sci-fi thrillers, uh, where would you like to start, Steve? Uh, let, let's start at the beginning with the with what we mean when we're talking about a thriller when we when we're talking about a science fiction thriller what's what's the kind of film that we're looking for yeah so we're looking for uh i mean the, the obvious part is the science fiction part where it needs to be set in a science fiction world so a futuristic world where science has uh has moved past where we are currently so we have fictional scientific elements so, you know, warp drives or laser guns or robots or something like that, um, or spaceships even. Uh, so something like that. And then the other element is the thriller element, which I think is a little more vague as to what that means. Yeah, I think, I mean, thriller and, and horror are very similar. And it's, I mean, a thriller 
there there's an element of suspense it it it's almost as if the entire movie is this really taut string that keeps getting plucked from time to time and 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 it's and it's out of nowhere and you don't know when it's going to happen and the entire movie hinges on that string yeah whereas horror movies have that sort of tension building as well but it's released a lot more often so instead of just constantly being stretched and plucked and stretched and stretched and tighter and tighter as the movie goes on until the very end when it's <clears throat> when it's broken a horror movie it's like they build the tension they build the tension and then boom the monster shows up and kills a bunch of people and then they build the tension and then he shows up again and he kills the people but thrillers more are build up all the way to that last 20 minutes when the monster shows up. Yeah, and I think that that's going to be an important component that we talk about. That that ending 20 minutes or that last third of the movie where no longer are we sitting on the taut spring, string. It's been cut. And, and we're almost in a different movie at that point after, after almost all the tension has been just released. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the first two thirds of the film or first, you know, the majority of the film is just building tension. And that's what makes it thrilling is that the whole time you're in your seat and you're like, when's it going to happen? And you're waiting for it to happen as opposed to a horror, which is when's it going to happen? Scream. It happened. When's it going to happen next? Scream. It happened. You know, so that back and forth of a horror film uh, thrillers just keep you on the edge of your seat as long as possible. And and the pinnacle example of, of this in the genre would be the movie Alien. Yeah, perfect. Mm -hmm. Alien, uh, yeah, and Alien, I think, is, when it comes to science fiction thrillers, maybe not the first, but one of the first really good ones. That uh, the whole, like, like, right from the name of the film, Alien. So you know there's an alien. And then the movie starts and it's like just people working on a spaceship and you're like, where's the alien? You know, and you start getting scared right away. Yeah, which is very different than 2001, A Space Odyssey, where, yes, you have that, okay, it's going to be this adventure in space, but it's it's much more artistic and, and mm -hmm. much less focused on the building of tension throughout the beginning of the movie and more fixated on kind of crafting this world and and building this artistic expression. Yeah, you know, when it comes to Space Odyssey 2001, which, uh, or 2001 A Space Odyssey, um, that's one of those movies where I would argue that I don't know if it is a science fiction thriller. Uh, the middle act with Hal definitely is a science fiction thriller. But then it's, it's sandwiched between this first bit with, like, a bunch of monkeys screaming and people talking about a mission to space or something. And then ends with this weird acid trip sequence of him evolving to the next stage of humanity <laughs> um, or whatever happens at the end. But it, only in the middle there does it feel like a thriller. Uh, so I don't know. Does, it, does that count as a science fiction thriller? Well, I mean, like, the thing about that movie is that it is building towards the release of tension that we're going to get towards the last, uh, the, the end of the second second act of the movie. And, and the third certainly does go off the rails in a different and weird direction. But mm -hmm. I, I think that we can see in there the first germs of the science fiction thriller genre. But I think you're right to, to point out that it isn't, it isn't fully a thriller. 
And you know that because the opening of that movie is anything but thrilling. Yeah. Right. The opening of that movie isn't about building tension so much as it's about being artistic. And Yeah, and, ask you, and making uh, us ask questions. And it's a fine point, right? Because you could argue, I think, that the opening with the monolith is is very tense, frightening. I, I don't even know if you could. I think that... I think that it's clear that that's meant to do something else. And it is like, and it, I, I totally agree with the artistic idea. It is more of a, uh, and we could do a whole episode talking about Space Odyssey, so let's not get too far into it. But like the whole idea of us watching and wondering what's happening and projecting onto these monkeys a bunch of meaning, right? Like that's what we're doing. Uh, we're projecting meaning onto it while we watch as these monkeys project meaning onto the objects around them and slowly evolve into to having like you know uh, what do you call it abstract thought and stuff like that uh and that first step of evolution happening right there and it's like none of that is thrilling it's beautiful it's amazing but it's not thrilling and 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 that reminds me a lot of the the last episode of the firefly series and the idea of imbuing right in, yeah, for sure. That's exactly what's going on in that opening. It's it's all about imbuing with meaning and and so it touches kind of on some of the elements that we see later developed in science fiction proper where mm -hmm. where science fiction is always a lens through which we explore our own humanity, but it doesn't really delve into that suspense or or anxious elements until we get to Hal's breaking in the second yeah, act exactly and that's where and that's where it's like unlike alien where right from the get-go right from the beginning of alien we're wondering we're, we're scared of what's going to happen because all of these people are waking up on this spaceship and we know there's going to be an alien in this film and so we're a little scared and the more like relaxed they are the more tense we get and when it's like oh we have to stop at this planet that like we got woken up early we're like hmm that doesn't sound good you know, like, like, and we're thinking, don't do it, don't do it. And that's how you know it's a thriller. Yeah, or or you even point to the opening of something like Sunshine, where it very clearly sets us in the emptiness of space and sets us within this, this experience of, of loneliness and, and something feels wrong about the music from the very beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. Or... Or something like gravity, right, which starts off in space and the banal experience of, I think, repairing a space station or yeah. a satellite. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and you know what the movie is about and you know that just being in space thrown into this is uncomfortable. And, and so you, you're already tense at the beginning of that movie, even though they haven't done anything. Yeah, that none, even though the bad stuff hasn't happened yet. Uh, and I think that that uh, that foreshadowing or foreboding, I guess, um, is the the key element to thrillers, is that nothing has happened, but you know something's going to happen. Unlike a horror where things have happened and more things are going to happen. Yeah, and I guess that's what makes it so tricky to to put a science fiction thriller on Earth. So I, I was watching Elysium. Uh, kind of in prep for this movie and kind of just because I ha or this episode and kind of because I just haven't seen it yet. Yeah. And it's not a science fiction thriller. 
And it can't be because it starts entirely in life. Like it's, hmm. it, it, it's a science fiction movie, certainly, but it's, it starts very much in, in this poor community on earth in, I think Los Angeles. And it's all just all these human beings living together, struggling to survive. Yes. But it can't be thrilling because it takes place where everyone is. And what makes a a sci-fi thriller so thrilling is the isolation. It's it's how far removed everyone is from civilization, from each other. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't have to exactly be in space for that to be the case. It just happens no, yeah. that space is the best in, or easiest environment where you can do that. Yeah, well, I think the, the key is the monster in the house idea. That what you need to make a monster in the house film is you need a house, a monster, and then something that people do that calls the monster. A sin, I think, is what we refer to it as. But like uh, you need a house which is anywhere that is just like a clear barrier that you cannot leave. Because uh, as soon as you can leave, it's no longer thrilling. Because <laughs> you can just walk away and it's over. And you're staying because you wanted to and it's your own fault. So spaceships work perfect for that because you're in a spaceship. You cannot just leave. Thrillers that happen in like a haunted house where the ghosts have like locked you into the house, you cannot just leave. And that's what makes it so thrilling. Uh, so I think spaceships are ideal for sci-fi thrillers, but not necessary. Uh, you can do sci-fi thrillers in other locations. Like what's the one Ghosts of Mars? Did you yeah, watch that, that movie? That one's on a uh, habitat on Mars, right? Yeah, and it's like in a space station on Mars. You know, so it's just another it's 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 another planet, but it's like a a terraforming station or something like that, and stuff has happened, and there's a criminal there who I think is played by like Ice Cube or something. Or yeah. if it's not him, it's some if it's not him, it's some other rapper. Uh, but a rapper plays like one of these like one of the key elements, uh, and it's just like this. Uh, it's in a it's on a planet, and then it's on their space station, but they can't get off this the the station. They can't get away from these ghosts of Mars. It's a terrible film, but it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, and a, and a, a, an example that's a great film that's very similar is Moon, right? Which is set on a moon the habitat moon. Yeah. on the moon. Surprise, yeah. surprise. Or even something like Canadian cult classic Cube. Did you see it? Oh yeah, Cube. Oh, great. Yeah. But they're trapped in a like a sort of puzzle thing. Yeah, it's a, it's it basically. I mean, it's. Eat, they're they're in a room. The room's a perfect cube. There are doors attached to every wall, and each door leads to another cube room. And it's filled with traps. And it's it's science fictiony because um, the elements of of the future are there certainly. And we um, it's set clearly in the near future, but yeah. we don't exactly know when, why, how, all sorts of things. And it, it bridges that genre between sci-fi thriller and sci-fi horror really well. Mm -hmm. Because it definitely has that they're trapped in this cube element and it's the slow building of tension. And certainly they, they do die off one by one, but it's all built towards that ending 20 minutes or so where everything goes batshit crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Oh. So I think I think we we kind of have an idea of what a sci-fi thriller is. Yeah. I, I think my okay. So my question before we move on any further, Blade Runner. 
Is Blade Runner a science fiction thriller? No. No, it doesn't it doesn't have a slow building of tension throughout. It does have a slow building of tension throughout, certainly. Okay. But what what motivates the character to act? Yeah, yeah. I, and I think I agree that it's not a science fiction thriller, but it's definitely science fiction. Yep. And it definitely has thrilling moments, but it's not. He's not really trapped anywhere, you know. Like he could just walk away still for most of the film. So he is doing it by choice, and he's like trying to hunt down these replicants and stuff like that. So I think. It it's more. I think the term people use for it is neo noir, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, because it's more like a detective story. It's like a sci fi detective story, but it does have thrilling moments to it. But it's not a sci fi thriller. That's not the kind of thing we're looking toward. We're looking more toward Alien, Prometheus, Event Horizon, those kind of films. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's. I mean, uh, I think Blade Runner is a good example of a drama, right? In the same way that something like Total Recall is a drama. Which with with heavy action elements definitely for Total Recall, but it's it's more about the dramatic tension as opposed to the the suspense tension. Mm, yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, and did you did you end up seeing Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise movie? No, I did not. You, uh, actually, I I recommend it. I think it's worthwhile. But the the reason I bring it up is because it t- does an interesting take on the idea of a monster in the house where he's not trapped in a physical place, but he's trapped in a time period that he keeps repeating. Hmm. And so it would be an interesting one for, for us to talk about sometime because I think it's a science fiction thriller with action elements because he's trapped in a house that is this this time window. But yeah, mm-hmm. hard, hard to say without uh, you having seen it. Uh, but I did see Oblivion, that other Tom Cruise movie. Man, good old Oblivion. Where he's he's like cleaning up Earth. And I don't know, is that a sci-fi thriller? Is the house Earth? Yes. And it's it's, it's only one quadrant of Earth, too. He's like one of the cleanup crews. Yeah. It's hard to say. It's hard hard to say, yeah. Because it's it's a little more action-y, but there is like a mystery element to it where he's starting to like find clues and figure some stuff out. But yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, well, and I think, I mean, something like Event Horizon or Supernova, right? They do they do have their action-y moments. And Prometheus, too, right? Like, Prometheus yeah. really tries to be an action thriller. Yeah, I mean, Prometheus, I think that was one of the problems with that film. I mean, did, did you like it? I thought that it was a very pretty movie. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. It was beautiful, but... But at the same time, when you watch it, there is this thing of like, is this, is it, are they trying to do a sci-fi thriller? Are they trying to do an action film? Are they trying, like, what what kind of movie is this supposed to be? Because it has elements of sort of all of them. And it feels like they're like pulling in different directions. So it's kind of thrilling, but it's not really thrilling. And it's like kind of action-packed, but not really action-packed. So it was really hard to, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Is it a sci-fi thriller? Well, and I don't, I don't think so because, and, and, and if it is, it's just a bad one because it's, I think you're <laughs> right to point that it's trying to pull in too many different directions at once. And, and I think the, the perfect counterexample of, a, of a, a contemporary movie that really understands what it is and what it's trying to do in the science fiction thriller genre is Cabin in the Woods. Sure. Right? Although I, I don't know if I would call that a thriller. 
I don't, well, doesn't it doesn't it fit the same horror genre? I would call it a horror film. Okay. Because okay. the the tension is released with gory horror moments all the time. Uh, which is where, to me, that's the that differentiate between horror and thriller. Is thriller, it builds the tension till the end before the horror happens. Whereas horror movies go back and forth between tension and horror, tension and horror. And Cabin in the Woods definitely goes back and forth between like building tension and then actually scaring you with crazy killer monsters with knives and then back to building tension again and then to killing people with crazy knives. And so like it goes back and forth. Uh, so I wouldn't consider Cabin in the Woods a thriller. You're, you're right. You're right. It does. It does fit the the science fiction horror genre better now that now that you put it like that. But it was a movie that knew what it was trying to do. Yeah. At every point in it, and I think Prometheus suffers in that it doesn't know. It starts off with this really artistic and beautiful opening, where where we're in, we're supposed to imbue the scene with meaning, and. Knowing the end of the movie, we rewatch that opening and it it puts it in a new context and and so it has this very much two thousand one feel in in mm-hmm. that opening, mm-hmm. and yet then it throws us into archaeologists who are going to go on a space mission. Because... So it's almost like a golden fleece kind of quest for a while there, and then yeah, it, it goes all over the place. Yeah, and I mean, part of that has to do with just trying to recreate the feeling of Alien, but -hmm. I think part of it has to do with really not knowing which story was being told in that movie. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. And, like, the android's always bad. Except for Bishop. (laughs) From from Aliens. (laughs) So not always. Which, I mean, uh, yeah, so not always. Um, so there's a wonderful, I think, uh, a distinction between the thriller and action sci-fi genre is Alien versus Aliens. Because uh, Alien, definitely a thriller. All tension until the very last act where the alien and Sigourney Weaver are finally like face-to-face. Uh, but then Aliens, the whole time, it's like mercenaries like shooting and killing aliens and then they have some tense moments and then they fight more aliens and then they have some tense moments. And so like they go back and forth between that action sequences and fighting versus the tension building. Yeah, and, and I, th- I think you're right. That shows the way that I think almost a sequel to a sci-fi thriller has to go because you can never recreate the same tension of the first movie. Yeah, you can try, but <laughs> but it won't work. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, and a good example of that would be Hypercube, the sequel to Cube, um, mm. which tried very much to recreate the same sort of tension and just up the stakes and up the crazy, but then it just it moved full fledged from thriller to horror mm. very very quickly, and it's because one of the most important parts of a science fiction thriller is the weirdness of the situation. Mm. it's it we as an audience are uncomfortable watching it because it it isn't we're we're not sure where it's going or what what exactly to expect but the characters are also acknowledging how strange it is for whatever is to be going on and they are out of water as well they're out of their comfort zones and it's hard to replicate that same experience Again. With a sequel, yeah. Yeah, because in the second time, they've already done it once, so they're not out of their comfort zone. Unless you do it with a whole different cast going through the same experience. Right. Then well, you could pro- you could still try and pull it off. Which is what Prometheus more or less tried to do. Yeah, but they failed for other reasons. 
Right, right. Yeah, something else uh, to, to bring up before we get uh, into to our, our criticisms and or loves and hates of sci-fi thrillers is the science element. And this, I think, is another great distinction between sci-fi thriller and horror, just plain horror, is that it science is the quote-unquote villain or something scientific as opposed to something magical or monstrous. So in Alien, it's an alien, you know, like it's not a monster or like a demon or something magical. It's something, an actual life form, right? Science. Uh, in Moon, it's like this idea of cloning and stuff like that. In Sunshine, it's the this sort of like space madness, what you call it, <laughs> whatever it was. Um, uh, you know, so like it's it's the idea that science is what's creating the villain. Space Odyssey, it's, it's how this... Com- computer AI that's gone crazy. It's not like it's been someone's been possessed by a demon and starts hunting people. And again, with Cabin in the Woods, it's more mo- monsters are in it, not scientifically, genetically modified people or something like that, which would make it more of a um, sci-fi thriller. Like Oblivion is more of, there's aliens and they've like genetically modified people and stuff like that. So there's, that's the science part of it. Uh, and once we start veering into magic, it no longer is a science fiction thriller. It's now a, just a straight up thriller. Okay, okay. I mean, then I guess the the obvious uh, counter example would be something like Event Horizon. Yeah, I was about to mention that too because that's the one where the and Event Horizon is a perfect example of that uh, sci fi thriller um, thing where the first the the last twenty minutes is always ridiculous. <laughs> Well, and so so the first time that I saw Event Horizon, actually, I didn't see it. My parents had rented it, and mm. I was in my bedroom down the hall, because uh, it was after bedtime, I guess. I don't know. And I was sitting there listening to that movie mm-hmm. while they watched it. And I have to say, that that is a horrific way to watch that movie, because at first, it's just this, you know, they're, they're on a space... Thing and you're just like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm, there's not much tension, and then there's just lots of weird screaming and and <laughs> and Latin chanting, and the devil is talking to people, and <laughs> like, yeah. As far as movies that that you're you're gonna view without a visual component, Event Horizon is one that will traumatize you for a while. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's and I, I I'm gonna 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 like that movie was really thrilling. The whole time through, you're actually like pretty scared what's going to happen when they find what they find on this ship that they're investigating. And it's all really creepy and stuff. But then as soon as it becomes like a hell dimension that opens and stuff like that, that gets it. it the whole movie kind of falls apart at that point. But I would counter that by saying it's still science. Because of the fact that it's another dimension that they've gone into. Where these this this uh this sort of monster comes out and possesses people, you know, uh, and it's not that the demon came because they did like some sort of ritual or chant or any kind of magic. It was that they were messing with science to an extreme and accidentally opened a dimensional portal, which to me is science fiction. Well, and and that I think points to one of the key components. It's it's not just the science element, but it's the element where. We're using science to chart uh, the unknown, to go places that perhaps human beings shouldn't go, mm. or to uncover things that human beings shouldn't uncover. Yeah, and that is that idea of the sin. We've done something we should not have done with science. Yeah. 
We've decided to start cloning humans. Mm -hmm. It really is about our hubris. Yeah, and uh, and so yeah, Event Horizon is that they've dabbled in science to the point that they opened up a hell dimension portal. <laughs> I can't even say it. it's so stupid. <laughs> well, and and the best part is they they kind of replicate this with Interstellar, but instead of it being you know evil demons from hell, it's sixth dimensional godlike aliens. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I haven't seen Interstellar. Oh well, shit. feel free to feel free to spoil it. I don't. I don't care. Okay, well, six-dimensional godlike aliens are at the very end of it, and it's very confusing. Why six-dimensional? Um, so that he can <laughs> he can time travel later on. Oh, cool. Yeah, because because <laughs> science, I guess. But yeah, science and taking it too far, like in in Sunshine, where they're trying to reignite the sun. You know, like they are. I think what's the name of the ship? Is it called Icarus? Icarus, yeah. Like the most, like what a stupid name for a ship, you idiots! <laughs> like, <laughs> but but aren't they very clearly flying too close to the sun? Isn't that the whole? Or, or it's the Icarus too, isn't it? But Icarus failed. <laughs> like they should have. It's like it's like building a boat and calling it the Titanic. It's like you're just asking for it. You're just asking for it. You should totally read my master's thesis because. Icarus totally come did he no never mind maybe that was an early draft <laughs> he got cut he got cut uh, <laughs> yeah cut at the wings um <laughs> but yeah like like the the whole idea of that film like that they're going to reignite the sun which is clearly something that humans were not meant to do you know we're not meant to to shoot bombs into the sun uh and we should have died because our sun was dying but instead we went too far and that drove us to Space Madness, or whatever it is that causes the last 20 minutes of that movie. <laughs> Space Madness? Or was it just looking at the sun for too long is what makes you go crazy? Well, I mean, it, it's it's kind of that combination, right? It's that heightened isolation and the emptiness of space. And then the the continual... Like, it, there's a religious element to it, right? The closer you get to the sun, the, the closer you're getting to God and the experience of of God and... And all sorts, like there, there are heavy religious uh, under overtones, just regular tones, tones just to tones, them. yeah. And and mm -hmm. that that's the thing. Like I love Sunshine. It's it's one of my favorite science fiction movies. But you're right. That last twenty minutes and how they get to that last twenty minutes are very confusing. Yeah, that's all I remember from that movie is at the end going like, "What the hell happened? This was so good." <laughs> Well, and it's such a fun crew, and it's such a fun cast, and it really plays with the ensemble, um, mm -hmm. which which is one of the things that I love about it is that a lot of science fiction thrillers are rooted around a singular character, and it's it's mostly their journey. But mm -hmm. Sunshine tries really hard to be an ensemble cast, mm -hmm. and I love that. You know what my favorite uh, sci-fi thriller is? What's that? Okay, well, uh, let me backtrack that. I don't know if it's my favorite favorite. It's like Alien is maybe my favorite, but this one is like my uh, like more recent favorite. How about okay. that? <laughs> okay, now that you've added a bunch of qualifiers, what is your most recent favorite science fiction thriller to watch on a Tuesday when when Missy's out of town? Yeah, and that might not even be true still, but <laughs> it's a sci-fi thriller that I liked a lot when I watched it was Solaris. I presume you're talking the George Clooney version and not the old artsy. I will talk both versions. Um, okay. So the the original Russian film, I think it was Russian. Yeah, sure probably, works for me. Probably, uh, Solaris, which was remade into the version with George Clooney. 
Uh, the George Clooney version is the one I saw first and enjoyed very much. And it was very thrilling the whole time. Like, like they really tightened that string. Toyton? Toyton? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Taught. They really tauted that string um, uh, the whole time. And it was a fantastic kind of slow building, perfect thing. And then the release at the end and this whole like, yeah, it just kept getting more and more tense. As it went on, it started tense and then got more tense and then more tense and then more tense and then more tense. Uh, and then I can't even remember how it ends. Pretty, pretty, pretty ridiculously from what I recall. Um, isn't there? They... Uh, no, you know, I, I can't entirely remember. He Well, since neither of us can remember how it ends, we can assume it ends ridiculously because it's a sci-fi thriller. Um, And I love that I just said it was my favorite and I can't remember how it ends. (laughs) I really backtrack now. (laughs) Maybe the first first half of that movie is my favorite. But the old Russian version of it, uh, have you, did you watch it ever? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Which is... Sorry, go ahead. Well, it's just, it's this beautiful, weird film to go and watch from today. Like... Now, I watched it without subtitles because the version I had was just the Russian. And so I just watched this movie for like the shots, basically, and was trying to like, oh, yeah, this is very similar to the George Clooney version. But it's hard to tell like what the hell's happening in this movie at all. Uh, But it is like, ooh, scary. (laughs) So your two favorite films of all time, one you haven't been able to understand any of the dialogue and the second one you have forgotten entirely how it ends but well it's still <laughs> you still want to say that it was your favorite thriller recently recent favorite um, okay. um no but the the thing is that the original version even in russian did not seem very thrilling compared to the modern day version and I think that's part of what we were saying about how, like, Space Odyssey was where we started to build on this idea of science fiction thrillers and how science and the way we use it can be really thrilling, at least in cinema. I'm sure I'm sure in the science fiction literature there's been lots of that. Uh, but in cinema, like, it was the first kind of movie that hinted at that sort of thing. And then as, as time has gone on, we've perfected it. And so the modern-day Solaris, really, they, they got it down, how to make a science fiction thriller movie. Uh, and how to make a good movie, you just put George Clooney in it. So they did both of those and had this great movie with a lot of like thrilling builds. Whereas the original Solaris, and maybe you've heard it and you've read it, so maybe you know more than I do, but did not seem nearly as thrilling. No, and well, and it, yeah, it definitely, it, I mean, and it couldn't have. There's, there's no way it couldn't have. One of the only reasons that Alien still stands up so well as being thrilling despite its time period is the the clever use of darkness and and the the soundtrack was absolutely stellar and mm-hmm. and you it, hard and then you don't see the alien till the end yeah yeah but it it very hard for for that kind of uh, that movies from that time period to be as thrilling especially today sure yeah and that the quality of the film and stuff is just like so less that it's not nearly as scary. Yeah. But then you watch something like Psycho and you're frightened the whole time. Not a sci-fi thriller, but thriller. It's true. It's true. And you could maybe claim it's a science fiction thriller because it's about a guy who's had like a psychological break, but what? It, what? 
and he has multiple personalities, you know, and he's like, yeah, so it's kind of sciencey, but there's what? not much, there's not much fiction to that science because <laughs> he is a crazy person and they exist. <laughs> Dude, I don't know why you wanted to make Psycho a science fiction thriller. I'm just saying you could make a case that because it's about like psychology is the is the element that turns him into a monster, so to speak. Uh, On behalf of everybody listening to the podcast right now, I, I call bullshit. Well, there, I mean, there is nobody who agrees with you. But like the fact that in his head he has his mother and he like. And so he goes back and forth between his mother and himself. That's kind of science. Is that not science? <laughs> I, I don't think you understand what the word science means. Uh, yeah, I do. It's, I mean, psychology is a soft science. <laughs> so can we call Psycho a soft science fiction thriller? <laughs> a social science fiction thriller. A social science fiction thriller. <laughs> oh, the social sciences. We've, we've created a new genre that's... <laughs> That no one will watch these movies. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. So that was my that's my my favorite sci-fi thriller that I can't remember and have never seen in English. What's your which one's your favorite? <laughs> um. Well, I want to say. I mean, Sunshine is is definitely up there. Um. The the problem with Sunshine is that it it falls victim to the same thing that every science fiction thriller I've ever seen does, and it's that it has no idea how to end the movie and just goes crazy. Yeah, which is which is what happens in Alien, but Alien it does it very methodically and carefully. It doesn't go unhinged. It just radically changes what happens in or what's going on in the film. But, yeah, well, it because she's the only one left, <clears throat> and gets back and and uh, looks like she's successfully escaped, and then the alien is in the escape pod. Yeah, and so it's like oh, it's back to thrilling. We thought it was over, but it yeah. wasn't over. Yeah, whereas something like Event Horizon or Sunshine, um, or so, doesn't Solaris end with him deciding to stay with his alien wife, and it gives him like visions of what his life could have been with her? Sure, I like it's something weird like that, and you know, same with same with Cube, and same with Edge of Tomorrow, and all these sorts of movies, and Interstellar. Like they they all they can't really figure out how to end the movie, and so it gets super weird. Yeah. My my favorite science fiction thriller that that manages to work as a cohesive whole would be Ex Machina. Yeah, Ex Machina, which I just watched. Yeah, I just I just watched it too, and I have to say, I wasn't expecting a science fiction thriller. I I wasn't actually expecting very much because I, having been off trailers for a while, I didn't know exactly what it was about. Mm -hmm. Like I I knew it would be about the creation of uh, a robot. And that was all I had. Yeah. Well, all I had was you texted me and told me that we should I should watch Ex Machina for our science fiction thriller episode. <laughs> and so I started it with this idea of it being a science fiction thriller, and it was frightening the whole time. <laughs> well, and, and it does a really good job of being tense immediately, basically. Um, you're, you're uncomfortable throughout the whole movie, and... And it's fun because it's one of those movies where I, if I recall, you you kept trying to predict things and you kept being proven wrong throughout it. You, that was your experience. My experience was uh, I knew there was going to be a twist, and right. it, it was too. It was so obvious that with an artificial intelligence kind of movie, there's got to be a twist. Uh, one of them, like like the other, he's a robot, or someone else is a robot as well, or something like that. And so I kept trying to predict the twists. 
because that's what my mind does. And I see and I think like, oh, the guy who made the AI, what was his name? The the Google guy? <laughs> the guy who basically was the, <laughs> the head of Google? Uh, what was his name? I can't remember. I can't remember his name either. But he, I was like, oh, he's an AI and this is the real Tesla or the real uh, uh, Turing test. Uh, and then I was like, nope, totally wrong. Totally wrong. And then it's like, oh, maybe he's a robot and like he doesn't know he's a robot and that's the Turing test. And then he cuts open his wrists and stuff, and it's like, nope, definitely not a robot. Like, um, uh, so I, it kept like twisting and changing on me. Yeah, well, and it it leaves that mystery throughout the entire film. Partially before we even know that there's a mystery, we know we, before we know what the mystery is, we know that something is weird, right? It takes place in this secluded hidden mansion up in the mountains far away from civilization which is weird in itself the the ceo google guy is crazy but also hinged and so it's hard to tell what kind of crazy they're playing him mm-hmm. and the main character is a little bit odd and and we we don't exactly know what uh what to think of him and so we're left with all these sorts of just weird characters and mm-hmm. and everything seems like it's a hint towards what the mystery is or what the mystery is going to be but they never directly state what it is and, yeah. and the closest they come is to when he thinks he is uh, an, an android and he starts cutting into himself because he's he has to convince himself that he's not but even then, like that's that's over so quickly. Like the moment goes, oh, he, maybe he's a robot, and then he goes and discovers that he's not a robot, and it's that quick. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like it ends up being sort of like exactly what you should have known the whole time. You know, like that that the artificial intelligence is the bad guy. Yeah, like that's just like that's so obvious but too obvious that we all ignored it because of its abundance of obviousity. Yeah, they they don't play uh they, they don't play with it except them very much not playing with it is is what leaves us so certain that they're doing something special throughout the entire movie. And and I just think that it it does the whole telling a whole science fiction thriller very well even though the end of it is different than the rest of the film. It it comes close enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it was great. It was super the whole time. I was I was like on the edge of my seat, wondering what was going to happen. And the first power outage, uh, the first power outage when he's like with her in the room, you're like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? There's a crack in the glass. What uh, what's she going to do? Is she going to kill him? Oh no! Oh maybe she. No, oh, the other guy's the bad guy. Look at how mean he is. Like, <laughs> just kept shifting and changing, and I couldn't. Uh, and the whole time I was worried. Well, and and that's the great thing. They give us one really clear hint uh, early in the movie, and it's the broken glass. Mm-hmm. And and the broken glass is the biggest hint that we have that she or the AIs are the problem. Mm-hmm. But we don't really pick up on that hint because we're following the CEO designer guy being the bad guy so heavily. And... And we and like after we see the broken glass, we're like, oh man, these things are dangerous. But then we start sympathizing more with the robot than anybody else. And so because of that, she seems like she's the victim, and therefore the CEO has to be the bad guy. And he has lied already, so he is a bad guy. But he's not the bad guy. 
She, she, the android, does an excellent job of seducing us, the audience, at the same time as she seduces the main character. I think that's yeah, the exactly. best way to think of it. Yeah, we are, we are the main character. We're getting fooled. The same way he was, you know, and she was using all of her cunning tricks to seduce him to try to escape, which is what the test was to see if she could, because that is as human as you can get trying to manipulate and use sexuality and use anything you can to get take advantage of somebody is as human as you can get. I think this is like what the theory is. And so she does that to us as she's doing that to him. Well, and it's the drive towards self-preservation, right? Like what mm-hmm. could be more human or more indicative of life than the wanting desire to f- not to yeah. die? And the wanting to be free mm-hmm. to like move around the world any way you want. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you can totally see it. Like, like she, the the uh, the actress is adorable, right? So right away you're like, oh, she's adorable, and she's the robot is sweet and wants to draw, you know, and is curious and is like like uh like this this innocent childlike uh, thing. So you obviously just want to protect them and take care of this person, even though at the very end when she leaves, you're like, oh my god. She just left without even. She's the bad guy. It was great. Yeah, and and yeah. So I, I suspect I will come back to that movie in a few months again and rewatch it and be just as happy with it. But I think it's going to become uh, one of my favorite science fiction thrillers. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. Because and, because and, it's a masterclass in the genre. Oh, perfect. Yeah, like the the things it does that are are so masterful are. A, the science element of it is handled very well, is that they hint that it's near future, like not too far in the future, but future. Mm-hmm. And it uses uh, existing sort of uh, technologies as well as futuristic non-existing technologies like, like scan cards. We have those. The idea of a search engine on the internet that's collecting a bunch of data on people we have that, you know, like we have a lot of what's in there. The only thing we don't have are robots and artificial intelligence. Uh, so it takes that one step forward. So it doesn't go too far where we start going like, ah, oh, that's sciencey, too, too sciencey. Uh, and then the thrilling part is it nicely stretches that cord as we've been talking about and toys it until the very end where she finally gets out. And then there's that hallway scene, basically, where they oh. kill him, right? And yeah. that's the end, sort of, uh, that's the moment where the thrill has come, where she's, the monster's killed somebody. And then she leaves. <laughs> and they don't, they don't turn it into like, oh, it's a hell dimension, actually. Oh, I see. And she's like a psycho killer machine, and she starts killing everybody. She just kills that one guy so she can escape, and then she escapes. Uh, which I think is what makes it, again, good, is that... The good guys don't win. No. So it means that there doesn't have to be this ridiculous fight sequence at the end where they fight against this hell dimension devil person and escape, or they fight off these crazy aliens on a planet and escape. Like, there's there's no escaping. In fact, the monster gets away, which is what makes it feel less ridiculous. That's the thing. She she kills Nathan. That's his name. She she kills Nathan, and she doesn't directly kill Caleb. She just leaves him locked in 
the the mansion to die on his own eventually but it it's it's really small her crime yeah it it has it there there's no scope to it because she's just doing what she needs to in order to survive yeah which is very different than what we get in a in well uh, maybe alien but even in alien right or prometheus or something like that where the killing is gratuitous the killing is for the sake of killing mm-hmm. as opposed to necessarily just because it needs to in order to uh exist or or survive mhm and the the sins that the humans commit in ex machina their punishment is equal to their sin so nathan who creates life it gets his life taken away right he he, he he tried to be god and created a whole artificial life form and that artificial life form killed him and took his life away so it's equal and uh what's his name the guy the, the young kid caleb his crime was that he betrayed betrayed someone's trust right by he was supposed to be helping uh analyze his robot and instead ends up helping it escape and what uh, his punishment is is that he ends up but his trust, he's betrayed and he ends up trapped. You know, so like it it kind of, it's equal. It's not too much punishment for the sin. It's the right amount of punishment for each of their sins, which makes it feel like the thrilling aspect of it is is perfect. And I, I think that's a fantastic way to do it. Their their crime and their punishment are equal to each other. Mm-hmm. It, it wouldn't have been as fitting if Caleb were to have been killed by her. Instead... Yeah. What happens was Caleb opened all the doors and betrayed Nathan, so she locked all the doors and be- betrayed Caleb. It's perfect, yeah, and that's that's where that that, that and I think that's what makes the ending not become ridiculous, right? Like an alien, the ending does not become ridiculous. You know, she was the one that that wouldn't want that didn't want to break quarantine and let him in. Everyone else said, "Screw it, let's break quarantine to let him in," and because of that, they all die because they broke the rules and she doesn't die and manages to blow the alien out the airlock which perfectly mirrors her decision at the beginning of yeah. the movie to not you yeah that's the fact that she didn't sin uh she did what she originally wanted which was to get the alien off the ship unlike something like prometheus where they're like sin was like wanting to figure out stuff or whatever <laughs> like i don't even know that movie was such a mess let's uh, event horizon uh their sin was like creating this like uh, uh what, what, it was like this engine that like changed the, time it, travel it's not the infinity like engine it's the it's something like that some ridiculous thing that is just too powerful and so because they created this thing that was too powerful so their punishment these people that have just gone out to investigate it, their punishment is to be all slaughtered by a hell dimension demon. That doesn't feel right. That's a little too much. Come on. Uh, a lot of these people didn't do anything. It's just the one guy who should be punished by this hell dimension demon. And even then, why is it a hell dimension demon? <laughs> it just doesn't feel like it. It just doesn't line up. Well, and the other thing that I love about Ex Machina is it takes one of the common conventions of science fiction thriller, and that's the, the breakdown of communication. Mm. because that that happens in all of them and usually that happens a because they're far out in space but regardless like the point is that there is an inability to get word out 
to for help, but it also turns into an inability to speak for those within. Radios and comm links fail, messages become garbled, and, and misunderstandings occur. Yeah. You don't you you misunderstand what the captain said or they misunderstand what you were going to do and end up in the wrong place. And ex machina, it's all about misunderstandings. It's all about the communication breakdown between Nathan and Caleb, between Nathan and Ava, between Caleb and Ava. It's all... Mm -hmm. um, it's about deception and manipulation and all of these horrible things humans do to each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's great. Uh, well, I did not expect to talk about Ex Machina that long. <laughs> but I think we're, we're getting close to a wrap-up time here. Any final thoughts about science fiction thrillers? Actually, I'm going to ask you this question. Let's end on this question. Sure. What do you think, or why do you think, we as people enjoy science fiction thrillers? More so than just regular thrillers, and, or, or, and maybe not more so, but in a different way than regular thrillers and in a different way than regular science fiction. What is it about science fiction thrillers that make people enjoy it? Well, I think... I think part of the the rise of the science fiction thriller genre has to do and 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 its its prominence and its popularity has to do with space being the undiscovered country. Mm, yeah. We have for the most part discovered this planet. We we know its contours, we know its species, we know its limits. And yes, there are things that we don't know about it, particularly the ocean, but we, we don't well, do a and that And that is covered in sci-fi thrillers. The movie The Abyss goes down into the, the dark abyss and discovers a bunch of aliens and it's all thrilling and scary. Yeah, yeah. But I think that what space provides for us is, is that, that unknown that is so, so unknowable to us because we can't be out there. We can't, we can't yet touch the surface of of Pluto, right? We mm -hmm. and we and, and that's just our small corner of the galaxy. We don't know what possible things are out there beyond the limits of our imagination, and and so I think science fiction thrillers touch on that that unknown in the same way that something like Gulliver's Travels, right, touched touched on. Uh, the unknown contours of the rest of the planet, mm -hmm. or or something like H.G. Wells, right, which was was able to take this idea of science and push it to places that we didn't we didn't know were possible. For us, the the natural inclination is that journey upward and outward into space, and so I think I think science fiction thrillers really touch upon the the drive in in human beings to be explorers but at the same time that very natural feeling of things that go bump in the night are scary yeah the fear and, of the unknown yeah yeah in space no one can hear you scream is such a a perfect uh, epitomization of that theme because in space the rules of the universe that we have grown up knowing are no longer valid yeah and, you know, I think um, uh, I, I agree with that uh, uh, explanation, but I would add to it that I think what makes science fiction thrilling is that science in itself, just the idea of science, not even fiction, 
is thrilling. You know, in the other word for thrill, like exciting, you know, like we're, there's new, we're, we're on the new horizon of everything when we're using si like the scientific method to discover and, and create things. Uh, and that in itself is already sort of thrilling. So as soon as we turn it to what the science, uh, what, we're, what the scientists are doing is possibly dangerous or frightening. And I think that's pretty uh, common. People are afraid of the idea of science making bombs or creating like genetic mutants and stuff like that. Uh, and like, uh, and if we go all the way back to like one of the first science fiction thrilling moments uh, in literature, uh, and I'm going to say one of the first is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, mm, yeah. where you wouldn't think of it necessarily as a science fiction thriller. And I mean, maybe it's not even a thriller. Maybe it's a horror more so. But but I feel like it's a thrilling, thrilling novel. And that in that film and uh, novel, the, the story of Frankenstein, where science is being used in a way that frightens all of us. And it could be possible. And we don't know whether or not it's possible. So it's that fear of the unknown again. We don't know what science can do. So therefore, whatever science is trying to do could be frightening, as well as exciting. I think, I think the best example or, or best, best way to put a point on that is the difference between Frankenstein and Dracula. Yeah. I think I, th I think you're you're really right to Frankenstein. To Frankenstein. Yeah, Frankenstein is science scientists using things that we don't understand to create monsters, whereas Dracula is the universe's magic creating monsters that we don't understand. And so it's less about science and more about magic, whereas Frankenstein is the science is creating this fearful thing. Well, and it's it's science is in a lot of ways about the the dreams and hopes of humanity to be better, to to do to do more than we are doing, to be more than we are, and and science paints that as as optimistic, as able to change the world, as able to to fix problems, and what science fiction thrillers do is raises the question of well what are what are the secrets in those discoveries what are the hidden corners what are the things that we don't expect that could come out of this this drive for science yeah hope can very easily turn into fear because both of them are about what is unknown yeah wonder of the unknown or fear nice well, I think we can wrap it up here, Stephen Orr. Uh, it's been lovely talking to you, man. been lovely talking to you, as always. Yeah, and uh, may your future be both thrilling and beautiful. You know that's going to be the final line of the podcast. You, you foolishly left that there for me to put in there. Which one? The, the, that one. May your line. future be thrilling and humble. <laughs> yeah, that's all yeah. right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to stop recording. Me too. Mm -hmm.